Welcome to the Vulva Diaries with host Dr. Amanda Selk, bringing you the 101 on vulvovaginal health. So today we're going to talk to Dr. E.J. Mayu, who is the chairman of the Department of Family Medicine and Preventative Medicine at the University of South Carolina. Hi, Dr. Mayu. Good afternoon. So today you're going to talk to us a little bit about lichen simplex chronicus. What is that? Well, it's an interesting condition because it's not actually a primary condition like many things we find on the vulva. It is actually the end stage of other conditions where the patient has an itch that leads them to scratch, which then damages the skin, which as it heals, itches and goes into this vicious cycle of itching and scratching and itching and scratching. And so it's actually a syndrome with many sources and a very common endpoint. And how common is it? Oh, it's really common. If you look at clinics that treat vulvar diseases, you'll find that uh, generally you're looking at somewhere between 10 and 40% of the patients that come to those clinics are going to have lichen simplex chronicus. According to the paper by Stockdale and Boardman, that would come out to about a 0.5% incidence in the United States. That's a lot of people. For sure. And do you find that they get misdiagnosed quite often? Very frequently. Or even more so, they go undiagnosed and simply have medications prescribed with no real idea about where we're going to treat this. The condition has a lot of different ways it can present. It can kind of be erythematous plaques. It can be areas of irritation. It can be uh, ulceration or erosion, secondary to scratching, and lots of combinations of those above symptoms and signs. And so you can really get this whole picture of all these mixtures of different things that make it really hard to determine what it is. And it can mimic a lot of other things on the vulva as well. So what kind of questions are you asking in clinic that help you uh, think about this diagnosis? Well, there's a number of them. The first thing is really a good history because there's several good pointers in your history that can point you to this is likely to be lichen simplex chronicus. The first is the chronicity. How long has it been there? Lichen simplex chronicus not being the primary problem, generally going to be there for a while. So it may have come up and started months ago or even years ago and has continued to be a problem ever since, as opposed to something that started last week or several weeks ago. Another history thing that's really useful is this seems to occur a lot in people with other allergic diseases, especially atopic dermatitis. And in fact, this can be considered a localized form of atopic dermatitis in some patients. So if you elicit that history, I get lots of uh, hay fever, I'm allergic to a lot of things, or I've been diagnosed with eczema or atopic dermatitis, that's a good tip off that this is someone who is an increased risk. Then you ask about the itch. And the reality is, is, does it feel good or bad when you itch and when you scratch? Does it make the itch feel better? And most of the time, the scratching feels good. But even when it hurts, people 
feel the need to scratch, even knowing that it will cause pain. Or if you ask them carefully, they'll relate to you, they would rather hurt than itch. Because the hallmark of this syndrome is this relentless pruritus, this relentless itch that they can't get away from, feel compelled to scratch. A hundred percent. And when you ask people, when you tell them that, they they think, wow, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes. And, and, and as you elicit those kinds of answers, you start uh, establishing a rapport that will really help you when you get to the treatment phase of this uh, particular problem. So why don't you tell us about some of the advice you give patients? So first of all, I can tell you what not to do. And patients are always worried about being told something is all in your head. And this is not, by the way, even though the primary problem is gone, they are physiologically having sensations of itch. That is real, is just as much as if you have poison ivy is to you. But they're worried about that. People always worry about that with these chronic conditions. And so you really want to avoid anything that's going to trigger that thinking in the patient. So I start by kind of explaining what's going on and say, so... I don't know what set this off, but you had something. It could be a bug bite. It could be an allergy. It could be a reaction to a chemical uh, or something in your environment. But the reality is... I don't know what it is that set this off, but once this itch set off, you did like everyone does, and you scratched this, and that made it feel better, but then started causing itching on its own, which caused you to scratch more and itch more. So what I see today is not what set this off. What I see today is the result of that chronic scratching and your skin is doing what normal skin does if it's chronically irritated. It's making itself thick. It's trying to protect itself from this injury that occurs with scratching and the symptoms you're having are mostly secondary to what's going on because of this itching and scratching cycle that you're now stuck in. So we can attack this in multiple ways. The first is we're going to protect your skin and help it reform its barrier, which is one of the major things skin does. So while it's irritating like it is now, it's easy for you to become infected, the serum and, and things leak from the wound. And so it's very easy to get this even more irritated. So the first thing we're going to do is protect it. And we're going to protect it by having you stop anything that may be irritating. Uh, we'll control any infection that's present. We don't do it prophylactically, but if we see something like impetigo or yeast or something, we will certainly treat that. We're going to do some sits back some lukewarm soaks. We can use cool packs, not ice packs, cool packs, because they help reduce itching. And we're going to both moisturize and protect the skin with ointments and Vaseline or white petrolatum is the best thing or petrolatum with zinc oxide in it, which is the basis of many creams and ointments for the vulva and for diaper rash for that matter, all of which helps protect the tissue, moisturizes it and protects it. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to help 
that inflammation that's going on. And that's usually some use of steroids. You have to be careful. One of my partners just yesterday saw a patient who was prescribed a very potent steroid and they did not put limits on the prescription. And she is showing signs of pretty severe skin atrophy because she started using it every time she had any little itch anywhere down there. And that was a bad outcome. You definitely want to go more mid-potency if you can, and you definitely want to control the volume of these steroids that you give people. That speaks to the counseling about showing people what to use and how much to use and where to use. Absolutely. I like to use the fingertip method of dispensing steroids, especially steroids, but sort of any medication for the skin and for the vulva. And that is if you take and look at your two palms put together, basically, if you put ointment down the distal phalanx of your index finger, that will generally be enough ointment to treat two palms worth of skin. And tell patients, oh, use five grams. That doesn't mean anything to them. But you can say, use one fingertip's worth and show them what that is. And generally, that covers the entire vulva area pretty well. Or if you're only doing central vulva, you only need one palm's worth, and that's about half a fingertip. And you can go down for there for things that need minimal applications. So for steroids, I'm typically advising folks to use a quarter or a half of a fingertip per application. And number of times depends on the severity and the particular steroid that we use. So steroids, bubbler care, avoiding irritants. And one more big thing. And that is the itch, because that's really the root of what's making it hard for people to deal with. And so there's a number of ways you can do that. Of course, the steroids are going to help. Of course, helping protect the skin and, and moisturizing it also helps. And these are things we do anywhere in the body for folks with allergic skin. But the controlling the itch becomes the key part, because the only way they get well is if they stop scratching. And we have to counsel the patients on that, help them understand that, and help them with the itch. Now, you can use classic antihistamines. I'll tell you, in atopic dermatitis, that does not work well, according to some studies and in my personal experience on the vulva with lichen simplex chronicus, that does not work terribly well. And so classic antihistamines are okay as a stopgap, but they're not great overall. Generally, hydroxazine, if I'm going to use it. But another great class of drugs that you can use are the tricyclic antidepressants. Very low dose, 10 to 25 milligrams, way under the depression doses that we used to use. And these are mildly anticholinergic drugs that actually have a very good anti-itch property that is probably more effective than classic antihistamines for these sorts of conditions. So we use a fair amount of that to help with the itch. And if they're having any neuropathic pain associated with it, these low doses of tricyclics through the GABA system also decrease neuropathic itching and pain. So you can get a double positive out of it. They're also mildly sedating and you can let the patient double the dose, up to 50 milligrams in the evening, hour or two before bedtime, and it will not only help them sleep, it will give them 
increases in good REM sleep, which is followed by good slow wave muscle relaxing sleep. So they can have really good nights that they'll tend to scratch less at night and feel better all the way around. And do you find people get better or are there high recurrences? They can get better, and we've had many success rates in our vulva clinic. The issue is, can they break that itch scratch cycle or not? So remember that the scratching feels good. It's always hard to overcome a behavior that feels good, but they usually want to get well because there's often pain associated with it as well. So there can be some motivation if they really believe that what you're having them do can get them better, and you can engage that motivation, you can often get them significantly better. Remember, people scratch a lot at night when they're asleep. So wearing bed clothing at night, pajamas, gowns, but things that help make it difficult to get to the vulva to scratch in your sleep, make it better. Of course, in kids, we put them in gloves and boxing gloves and oven mitts and all these kinds of things that if they don't fit tightly, don't work because they just fall off. But anything that keeps the hands away from the vulva generally can help this get better. In reality, if I could sedate someone to sleep for a month, I could make all lichen simplex chronicus better. Now, we can't do that. That's a crazy idea. But that's the reality is if we interrupt the cycle for any good length of time, they will get better. It's just getting them to do it. And the other thing we have to remember is that from the body's point of view, scratching and rubbing is the same thing. So people will say, oh, I don't scratch. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, but do you rub it, you know, or do you rub something against it? And that's all the same things. We have to make sure to include that in our education and in our questions as well. I always tell them they can't cheat. They can't cheat when they go to the bathroom and no one can see them. They can't just rub because it feels good. And they, they, right. they laugh, but, you know, it's all about, as you say, the buy-in and the treatment. And the patients are so happy if they get better. Like, it's such a rewarding thing, even if it's... Because sometimes they've had years and years of itch, and no one's told them to stop that scratch cycle. Right. Or they uh, probably have somewhere along the line, but they really haven't engaged them in the process. They didn't believe it at the time, and so they never followed through with the treatment. Generally, if you can get them past two weeks, they will start feeling better and then you're going to be able to help them get well. I think one of the points you made earlier too about we don't know what set it off is also very important. I like to tell people that they may have sensitive skin and sensitive mm -hmm. skin people just react to who knows what, right? The toilet paper at someone else's house, the towel at the gym, whatever it could be. You may figure it out. You may never figure it out. Absolutely. If it starts again, get on treatment so that you're not back into this years and years of misery. Absolutely. And you're right. And sometimes if they have really sensitive skin, it will recur, but knowledge is power. I also tell them, you know, it really doesn't matter what sent this off right now. What you've got right now, we know how to deal with. And with a little persistence uh, working together, we can make this better. I love it. Any take-home points for our listeners today? 
look for more than one thing. Just because lichen simplex chronicus is not a primary disease doesn't mean it can't be there as well. You can certainly find lichen simplex chronicus coexisting with lichen sclerosis or lichen planus. So always keep an index of suspicion. If people have been using a steroid for a while, watch for atrophy. Keep in mind that could potentially promote cancers, especially differentiated VIN. And so we want to make sure we do good examinations and approach patients with fresh eyes. But in the end, that rapport with the patient help if they feel like you are empathetic with them and that you can help them get on the path. That is the key to success with this problem. Great. Thank you so much. Happy to help. And again, that's Dr. E.J. Mayu from the University of South Carolina. <laughs>